scripture memory verse tonight, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. I want to start again um, really walking through what's commonly called Romans Road. And we want to share our faith. We want to be able to share our faith. So we want to meet everybody where they're at. And the first verse you really do that with is, is to know that all, every person ever born, have fallen short, or King James, come short of the glory of God. Anybody else? Romans 3.23. Good job, honey. Anybody else? Romans 3.23. For all of sin that come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Good job. Anybody else? Want to take a look uh -huh. at this. And really, you know... I need to get some context. He's been talking about this since about 118. After he said in 116, he was not ashamed of the gospel of God. Uh, but let's just look back up maybe at three, uh, three nine. Let's start with three nine. That's the way the Bible has it broken out. I was going to start with three ten because it starts with what is written. Anyway, what then, are we better than they? Uh, uh, speaking of others, um, not at all, Paul says. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. So he wants us to start with this same premise that we know that all are under sin. All of us are in the same place. You know, and I'm always reminded when I'm thinking about uh, the ground being level at the cross is that God says he hates the work of the Nicolaitans and Nico means those above the laity and and you know in many many cases we have that in our religious services even today where people think they are above others and that is just a pharisaical thought it's a it's a thought of pride and arrogance that there even even after we come to salvation there, we're not above anybody and all through our salvation, all through our walk with God, we need to remember the stone that we were hewn from. We always want to remember that we are no better than anybody else. We are sinners saved by grace, but we are still sinners. We still fall short on our own without the grace of God, without the Spirit of God, without the help of God. Uh, uh, there go I. You know, uh, that we should never get haughty and think that we're better than others, and we do need the rest of the body of Christ. So he says that all are under sin. All of us have that have been born are born with a sin nature. In other words, really, uh, you know, that, that nobody uh, is acceptable before God the way that we're born. Born with a sin nature because of, uh, of Adam and Eve. You know, Eve was lied to. 
Eve uh, partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam allowed it. And because of that, the first Adam, now you and I were born with a sin nature. We're born under sin. Everybody ever born in the flesh from Adam is born under sin. And that's why it's so important to understand that Jesus came, but he came from the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. So he didn't have our first Adam. He didn't have Adam in Eve's bloodline from the father, from the head. And so the Holy Spirit was his father. He becomes the second Adam, and therefore he can bring righteousness to us. He can come from God, be the gift of God that takes away the sins of the world. And we'll see that as we go through this. Now notice what it says in verse 10, 310 of Romans, as it is written. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't ever try to get rid of the Old Testament. In fact, there's only one testament. We've talked about this before. There's more than one covenant. Now, we are under the new covenant, the covenant of grace, the church age, but, but there's only one testament. A testament is a will and testament, right? It's a will. That, it's a written document that God has written, and this is the testimony, the testament of God. This is what he's doing on the planet with his creation, how he is bringing about his family back to himself. And there's only one testament, it, it, you know, it, but there's two covenants, uh, the old covenant, the new covenant, covenant under law. I think there's probably about five covenants. But anyway, let's get back to testament as it is written. And then you're going to see from verses 10 all the way through 18 that Paul begins to quote Scripture. He's looking back at Scripture, where it is written in the Old Testament. This is not something that's new. God has already said by the Holy Spirit in other places, by other authors, these same things that he's saying. And Paul, being a student of the Old Testament Scriptures, writes it down. He wants to bring you to that place where you understand what God has already said. And if you notice that all of the apostles did this, they followed Jesus' example. They knew the Old Testament, and they began to quote him. And he says, there is none righteous, no, not one. None. How many is none? Somebody get a calculator out, figure out how many none is. Jesus Christ was. None righteous, no, not one. He's going to get to that. We'll wait till he gets to that in 21, verse 21, before we get to our scripture. But first, under the law, he's placing everybody, he's putting everybody in the same place, born with a sin nature. None righteous. Now, righteous is a, is a big word, but it really means uh, just right living before God. None that's ever been born that are righteous. There is none who understands. Now listen to me. Um, understands means to put together morally. You're putting this together. In fact, there's none that understands. We don't even know it when we're, when we're a sinner. Listen to me. When we're born in sin, all of our lives we lived that way. We didn't even know we were sinners. We didn't know we needed a Savior. And we didn't understand that we needed to be saved or we was going to go to hell. 
In fact, uh, you know, I believe the Old Testament, it was written to the Jews, and the Jews knew that they were sinners. They was under the law. And then God turns around and writes that on our hearts so that we will know that we are sinners. We will understand in our conscience what is right, what is wrong. None who understands. I don't know how many. One, two, three, four. How many times did he write none? I'm counting four so four so far. But then there's not one, not one, not one, not one. It just continues. I mean, this is pretty emphatic if you want to try to because some people will say, Well, I'm pretty good. No, that now now wait a minute, I'm okay. Now, I did some good stuff the other day, and I do some good stuff, and I help some people with some stuff. No, there's not one righteous. God doesn't look at our works and go, oh, you're pretty good. No, he counts our works as filthy rags. In fact, it's, it's menstrual rags in, in Isaiah, which were unclean. They're good for nothing. No one understands. There is none who seeks after God. You know what people seek after? They seek after happiness. They seek after getting what they think will help them. They seek after getting the things that the world tells them is good. They're not seeking after God. They're not looking for God. In fact, most people end up in a false religious system thinking this looks like it's good and this weighs out good and I think this will make me happy and I think this is good for God. But the Bible tells us what's good for God. The Bible tells us what his righteous standard are, is, and he says here that none of us are righteous. We're all under sin, no matter whether you're Jew or a Greek. And Greek means Gentile, everybody that's not a Jew. Notice what he says in 12. They have all, how many is all, turned aside. They've gone from the way, they've gone their own way turned aside, away from God. In other words, because of Adam and Eve, who were walking with God in the garden daily, when we're born, we're born with a sin nature, and we're all apostate. We've all walked away from God. We've turned aside from God, and we're not seeking after Him. Amen. In Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned aside. And the Lord has laid upon himself the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep, we turn to stray. We don't even know it. We don't understand it until the Holy Spirit comes and taps on us and speaks to us and says, you're a sinner. You need a Savior. And there's only one Savior. There's salvation in no other name but in the name of Jesus Christ. And if we surrender to that and believe that in our heart and confess it with our mouth, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says we are saved. We shall be saved. Look, 12b, they have altogether become unprofitable. Altogether become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Wait a minute, unprofitable. I looked up unprofitable. Listen to this. It means to render useless. All become unprofitable. Castaways, that's a, that's a term about metal that's useless for nothing. 
able to make nothing. Think about it in John 15. Jesus talks about it with being the, the, the fruit and, the, and that the vine is good for nothing. You ever take some grapes off of a vine and then you got that little cluster thing left? What are you going to build out of it? A house? Uh-uh. Make a toothpick? Remember how, you know how they're just so flimsy? You can't make nothing. It's good for nothing but to be cast into the fire. So if there's no fruit, it's unprofitable for anything. But that's what he's saying. It's rendered useless. Now, I like what it says. Uh, the definition of this means to spoil. To render useless, to spoil. Now, it reminds me of Colossians. So let's turn over to Colossians. We, we have together become unprofitable. Well, why did we become unprofitable? Colossians 2 tells us this warning in the scriptures, you and I, after we've become Christians. Listen to me, it's very important because this is what happened originally. We were all unprofitable because of the garden. We were all spoiled because of the garden. Well, how did that happen, Greg? Well, Satan told a lie and Eve believed it. And he chose her for himself. And now, because of her original sin, all of us are born under sin with a sin nature. Now, listen to this warning that Paul gives the church in Colossae. He says, beware. It's a warning. It's a sign. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit according to the, according to the traditions of man, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ." For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Well, why did I take you here? Because in verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you, is the word spoil in the King James, isn't it, Ray? Did you look at it? Did you get to Colossians 2.8? Yes, but I'm trying to find it again. Beware lest anyone spoil you. It means to strip or rob you. It comes from a word that means to choose you. To choose for oneself. So that's what happened. Now you become a Christian and you don't want to be cheated again. You don't want to be spoiled again. Isn't that what we do to children when we don't make them mind? When we don't train them in the way that they're supposed to go? When we don't discipline them? We cheat them. We cheat them out of understanding authority. We cheat them out of boundaries. We cheat them out of knowing God when we don't do what we're called to do. And that's what this means, to be unprofitable, is to just let a child be unprofitable. When we have been given, as Christian parents, a mandate to train them in the way that they're supposed to go, so we teach them about Jesus. And we teach them not to be spoiled. But what's going on in the world today? Look in the streets. Look in our colleges. Look in our schools. Look at the indoctrination stations of our literature and our music and our government. Everything is under the sway of the wicked one. Well, what is it? It's good old-fashioned sin and training the sin nature that it can keep doing what it's doing, that it's going to be okay. But it takes God out of everything. And what does it do? It begins to spoil you. And they give you new philosophy. They give you new philosophy. What's it look like, Greg? It looks like psychology. It looks like sociology. It looks like the ologies of this world that leave out theology, leaves out God. 
And so now you have philosophy and it's empty deceit. It's deception. It's a lie. And it's according to the traditions of men. Men who leave God out. Men who are uh, uh, sometimes possessed by demons. Men who are following demonic culture. Men who are trying to steal power and influence. Men who promote false ideologies like Marxism. According to the basic principles of the world. The rudimentary principles of the world. Just the basic rudiments. We have the wisdom of God available to us as Christian people. That we can get into the word of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I'll talk about that in a minute. And, and, and not according to Christ. Oh, so when you're spoiled, when you're cheated, when you're chosen and stripped and robbed by the devil, you're listening to what the world has to say in their education system. You're listening to the philosophy and the empty deceit, the tradition, the basic principles of man that's underneath the sway of the wicked ones, but not according to Christ who is the head of all principalities and powers. And the Bible wants you to be clear. Listen to him. Listen to God. Verse 9. For in him dwells, it abides, it's his home permanently, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When Jesus walked the earth, he was the fullness of the Godhead. They're one bodily. Remember he said to, 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 to uh, Thomas, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, well, show us the Father to be sufficient, Jesus. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because he's the fullness of the Father. He's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He is truth, and we call the Spirit the Spirit of truth. He's the fullness. Of the Godhead bodily. Why is that important to us as Christians? Because we are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. Remember, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, all authority, all power, all strength, all might, everything has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all men baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, what is he talking about? That he has all authority. He has, has all. He can perfect you. He can take care of you. He can complete you. Well, why do we teach him everything that the world says then? Why are we teaching them philosophy? Why are we teaching them empty deceit it lies to them once again just like the garden and it steals their soul it spoils them it cheats them it keeps them away from the fullness that's in the godhead it keeps them away from the truth that's in christ jesus when we learn this word when we learn the truth of this word we don't fall for the lies the empty deceit the philosophy the traditions of men the basic principles of this world who wants that when you can have the head of all principality and power? Why stop short and be spoiled? See, that's what the devil did to Eve. He dangled a carrot and said, God's holding out on you. What did he give her? Nothing but a lie. 
and she listened to it. And she was led astray by empty deceit. And then man began to follow their own philosophy. Philosophy. They began to follow and make up their own traditions. It was empty deceit. It was the basic principles of the flesh when we had the spirit. We had a life in the spirit, walking with God daily, and the devil was able to lie to us and deceive us and get us to walk again the same way. That's what is going on in the church. We begin to listen. Listen, churches are teaching CRT, critical race theory, intersectionality. They're teaching basic, fundamental, earthly, central, demonic sin that comes from philosophy that men make up that are godless. That comes from traditions that men make up that are godless. That come from empty deceit that are lies from the devil. That is godless. He's ungodly. And it's the, just the, the rudimental, rudimental principles. It's just a simple flesh life that leaves God out. And we get cheated. We get spoiled. And the church is falling for him. We go, why are we doing that? And we're apostate. What's apostasy? Falling away from the faith. When you listen to man's tradition and man's empty deceit and man's philosophy and man's basic principles, you're forgetting Christ. You're forgetting the wisdom that comes from God. You're forgetting the wisdom that comes down from heaven to save us. And that's how we become unprofitable. And then the church is redoing it all over again. And we want to believe the government and man and everything about it before we would believe God who sent his Savior to be a propitiation for us. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back to our text. Listen, don't be spoiled. Don't say I'm a child of God and then reject his training, reject his wisdom, reject his spirit, reject his word, and think you're still a child of God. You've been lied to. You've been stripped and robbed and cheated by that empty deceit of the devil who makes up other philosophies. He makes up tradition. He makes up these elementary principles that do nothing but lead you back to hell. They lead you back into being an unprofitable servant. Back in our text at the end of 12, there is none who does good, no, not one. Listen, apart from God, there's not one. That's where we've all been placed in the word of God. And the only way to be redeemed, we're going to see, is in Jesus. But it's very important first that we recognize that all have sinned. All are sinners. All are born with this sin nature. There's none Righteous, No, not one, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're going to get to it. Let's keep moving. Verse 13. Ooh, that was your character. That was your nature. That was who you are when you're born. Verses 11 and 12. Quoting from, uh, you can go back and look at There's Psalms uh, uh, 14, 1 through 3. Psalms 53, 1 through 4. You could probably got notes in your Bible. We're looking at Ecclesiastes. We're looking at Psalms 140, Psalms 10:7, Isaiah 59. We're quoting Psalms 36. Listen to me. They're quoting the Word of God. They're quoting the Old Testament and the prophets. We're going to see in a minute that the law and the prophets are the witnesses that we're listening to. 
That's what he says down there in verse 21b. But look, now we talked about the nature, our character, who we are born at. Now let's talk about um, our tongue. conduct our character hmm their throat is an open tomb sepulcher King James with their tongues they have practiced deceit the poison of asp is under their lips where do you think it came from remember it's an empty deceit over in Colossians 3 here's where it comes from it's this same deceit it's guile. Guileful. That's what that deceit means. It's the poison that comes from the devil. The poison that comes from asp under their lips. Notice what he's talking about. It's what out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Look at this. The throat is like an open sepulcher. Well, how do we know that everybody's confined under death? How do we know there's none righteous? There's no one that understands. There's no one seeks after God. They've all turned aside and they've all been spoiled and cheated. All you got to do is listen to them talk. You ain't got to get to their music where they're singing and cussing and acting that way. Just listen to their language. Listen to their death culture. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to the lies that they make up. It's what comes out of their mouth. It's all death culture. It's all death. They tell you that they're going to help you, and all they want to do is divide. They say, let's all get together, let's come into this unity, and then they want to destroy you. They say that the problem of America is racism, when in fact they're preaching racism. When you take any person, any color of a person, and you make it the problem, and you point it out and say, they, white, are bad, now you're preaching racism. But they say the problem is racism. And that it's culturally embedded in our race. Well, then you're saying that it's racism. And they want you to believe that lie. So they can tear down the ancient boundary lines. And they can come back in with a new government that has nothing but filthy rich and filthy poor. And they get to run it. And they get to dominate it. And they're really the racist. They're the racist. I can tell you right now, listen to me. I heard this the other day, and I think it was a great statement. Uh, we are the least racist country on the planet. And all you have to do is turn on your TV right now and watch the Olympics. And you look at every country that's got Olympics going on that are in the Olympics, and who's representing their country? Who's representing China? They're all Chinese. Who's representing Japan? They're all Japanese. Who's representing Russia? They're all Russian. Who's representing America? Every nation. Every tongue. The best. It's not a bunch of white people. It's a whole bunch of people from every tongue and tribe and nation that have come to America seeking freedom. And they've risen to the top. And we made them the best. And we sent them over to compete. That's not racism. That's allowing people to be free, to become the best. That's a lie from the pit of hell. All they're trying to do is destroy. Because why, Greg? Because 
Their throat is an open tomb, a sepulcher. What do you do with dead people? You bury them, and, and you close the door. You don't look in at the open door and go, look in there, look at this stench, look at the smell, look at their throat that's open, look at the death. But boy, when you look at some of these people and what they're talking about when they're not talking about God, when they're not talking about Jesus, when they're not talking about love, and they go, oh, this is love, that you just let everybody do what they want. That's death. God has already said that we're practicing deceit with our tongues, that we're all unrighteous, we're all unprofitable, and the only hope that we have is Jesus. And they're saying if we get rid of white and whiteness, and we make white people feel bad about themselves, and we begin to do this new thing, no, that's death culture. That, that's a throat that's an open tomb. And when you look at it with eyes wide open, you'll see that. They want to kill people and sell baby parts. They want to kill babies and sell baby parts. I don't know if you've seen it. This new, this new bill that they're coming out with the infrastructure, the first time ever that we've ignored other laws and we're openly providing money to kill babies. Now, we used to do it underneath some bills before. This is death culture. It's, you can, you're looking into the tomb. You're looking into death. And then people go, well, Jesus ain't coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. This is the days of Noah. When you can look and see that they could care less about any morality, anything that God says, anything that the Bible says, anything that the church says, you can look into their open tomb and see that they're speaking from the grave and they're dead. And they don't care about life. All they want to do is kill. Look at everything that's going on in our world today. It's killing. And you know what they're doing? They're trying to kill the governments. They're going to kill all the governments at once. You know why? Because we're going to have one world government. We need to make sure all the governments are failing. We need to make sure all the currencies are failing. We need to make sure all the religions are failing too. Why? Because that's death culture. And when you make sure they're all de dead and dying and it's not working, our plans aren't going right, what happens? Then you've got to raise up an antichrist, one person who can say, I know what to do, and we'll be ripe for a one-world leader. We'll be ripe for a one-world prophet. We'll be ripe for a one-world beast system to control it all. And people will go, yes, yes. But God's people ought not to be spoiled again. They ought not to be cheated again. They ought not to fall for the indoctrination of these ungodly systems that are under the sway of the wicked one because we have the word of God. That's, that's part of that AI too. There's no way to trust a government that you can see that they're propping them up. But that's part of what they're doing so that everybody will want one government. Everybody will want help. I mean, it's obvious. If you can look, if you can look at Joe Biden, and I'm not picking on the president, I'm not being mean to the office. That, you know, it's, it's time for somebody in his family to say enough is enough. This man's sick and he should not be in office. This is, this is horrible. If that was my dad, 
If that was my uncle, if that was somebody in my family that couldn't even figure out which way to walk off the stage, I would not want him paraded around sick like that and act like that he's doing something. We know that he's nothing but a puppet. I am not being mean in any way. It's sad to see somebody lose their faculties and they still to prop him up and use him like that, like he's the one doing this. And we need to get back to our study, but that's just death culture. The throat, the way we talk, the things we say, the ungodliness that comes out of them from the abundance of the heart, we should be closing that up. If you're a Christian, listen, we're going to talk about that. This is what we were. This is what they're saying we were. This is why we need a Savior. Tongues, we practice deceit. We say whatever it takes to get. You ever do that as a kid? No matter what. Chocolate all over your face was not in the cookie jar. And the evidence is right on your face. It's like an open door. Death. I talked to my grandson about that. I say, listen, you're lying, and it's obvious you're lying. The door is open. I can see it, and you need to stop because what you did is not near as bad as what you're doing. Lying about what you did is much worse than what you just did because now you're confirming your heart in deceit. So lying about it is much worse, and that's what the devil wants us to do. And that's why you won't see this reversed because the only way we could reverse what's going on in America is if they came out and admitted their lie. You can't reverse it. I don't care what anybody's saying about we're winning over here, we're winning. You can't reverse it. You would have to have an entire group of people come out and say we were wrong. You think that pride's going to do that? It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. There might be a lot of older people that understand the lies going on, but the youth has been indoctrinated. The younger crowd has been indoctrinated. Our government and our schools have been infiltrated by the devil. And they're teaching lies. And it was a masterful plan of the devil. And God allowed it because people stopped talking about the gospel. They stopped talking about Jesus setting people free. And then the government took Jesus out of the schools. They took all of these things out of the schools and they added in all the stuff to cheat and spoil and rob and strip us. And that was the philosophy. That's the empty deceit, the lies. That's the traditions that get you going this way. And then that's the basic principles of death. I better get going. I keep taking a sidebar. I'm sorry. It all comes from the ass, the snakes, the poison of the lips. Of course, that's um, um, Psalm 140, verse 3. 14. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Cursing others, angry at others. Bitterness. Again, we see that. We see that being preached. That's bitterness in the street. They're holding out on you. I heard an interview from a college girl today that said, well, we should have free medical, and we should have free college, and we should have, and, and, and thinks that that is going to be free just because somebody told her she could have it. Who's going to pay for it? But she's bitter because she has to get a job. She's bitter because she doesn't have free medical. She's bitter because she thinks that some system that's been built in America is holding out on her. Listen, 
at the end of the day, the only system, the only one world government that's ever going to last is the government of Jesus. It's already one world, and nobody can overthrow it. He has all power, all authority. He's the head of all principality and power. He is the righteous one. And that's the only head we need, and we better turn our eyes toward him and stop thinking that one evil fighting a smaller evil or two evils fighting evil that we need to choose one of them. It's not going to help us any. Preach the truth. That's what the church is called to do. Be ambassadors, to be witnesses, to give testimony of Jesus Christ, the only one that can remove us from being unprofitable. All of us are full of cursing and bitterness. You want to know who's bitter? Let me, let me tell you who's bitter. Someone who would treat their, a husband who would treat their wife in a bad way. A boss who would treat their employees in a bad way. That's where that bitterness comes from. They don't have the joy of the Lord. They don't have the fruit of the Spirit. If they can treat their wife in a horrible way. When the gospel tells them to love their wife as Christ loved the church. That bitterness and that sin in the heart and that cursing and that, that old sin nature comes out and treats people the wrong way. Their feet are swift to shed blood, innocent blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Oh, they've turned to their own way. They've gone from the way. They've turned aside and they have their own way. And it's a way without God. And it brings about destruction. It brings about death and misery. There's a, a, a nice description of what hell's going to be like. Never, never being able to leave that and knowing always that you rejected the truth. And the way of peace they have not known. Now, not necessarily saying not Jesus. But just no peace. They're always at odds with people. They're always at war with people. They're always stirring up this deceit and these lies. They don't know peace. They don't know Jesus. Jesus is peace. Jesus is how we have peace with God. But they don't have peace with anybody. Whether they're smiling or laughing, whatever's going on in their heart, they have no peace in them. Because they're raging and they're bitter and they're cursing inside and they're ready to, to, to shed blood. I wish I had more time. I just want to roll over this pretty quickly. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Oh, there's your final line? Yes, that's the finality of it. This is where it comes from. And that's a quote from Psalms 36.1. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Fear and reverence in one way is the word phobia, but fear and reverence in one way because he loves us. He created us. He died for us. But fear and reverence in another way because he actually can cast our soul into hell. And when you know that truth and you say, wow, this God could actually have punished us for our sin, for us being none righteous, no, not one. We didn't understand. We didn't know we were lost. We weren't seeking God. We had turned aside. We were unprofitable. He could have cast us straight into hell and punished us. But what did he do? He sent his son. We're going to see it in a minute. He sent his son down to save us. 
He threw us a life raft. He said, you didn't understand. You didn't know. You were born in this condition. And I'm going to save you. I'm going to come and die myself and redeem you. That's some gracious stuff here, guys. And, you know, that's really the place we need to be with the fear of God. Is reverencing this great love. Understanding this great creator who loves us. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. How do you escape the indoctrination, the philosophy, the empty deceit, the tradition, the basic principles? You turn to God. It's the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The wisdom from above. Or you stay in this earthly, central, demonic wisdom. How can these people have that, be that smart and have that many degrees and not see what's going on? Well, they don't have the wisdom that's from God. They're only looking for themselves. They're still unrighteous. They're still separated. They don't understand anything different. And it's a natural delusion to walk in your own pride and interpretation of what's going on instead of listening to what is written. Listening to what God has already said. It's his testament. It's his will and testament. It's his kingdom. He created. He knows what's going on. And he knows how to set you free. Now look, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. Put shut up on your mouth. That every mouth may be silenced. You know, it's a fool that when you're driving 70 in a 55 and the police officer pulls you over and he says, you know how fast you're going? It's a fool that goes on and lies. It's a fool that goes on and argues. The best thing to say to that officer is, yes, sir, I'm going 70. Right? And then he goes, oh, so then you know and you were under control of your vehicle and you knew what you was doing. All right, let me give you a warning ticket then. They're trying to make sure you're not dangerous. They're trying to make sure you're not out of control. They might even give you a, a, a real ticket. But he at least wants to know that you knew what was going on. Well, I had you clocked at 70. Oh, I was doing 55 or 60. I wasn't doing 70. Now, you're arguing with that law. You're arguing with a machine that's got you clocked. You're arguing with something. He can go get it out of the vehicle and show it to you. Listen, don't argue with the law. Just be silent. Say you're sorry. And all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh, that's us, that's the unprofitable, that's the unrighteous, will be justified. Just as if it never sinned. In his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Listen, that's all the law does. The law never saved anybody. In fact, the only one that ever kept the law perfectly, we know, is Jesus. But the law wasn't made to save us. The law was made to point out the fact that we needed a Savior. That's what it's made to point out. That we need a Savior. Look over at Galatians uh, 3. The law was a tutor. A school mom. We don't want we don't want the indoctrination of the world of the devil to keep telling us what to do when he's the one that got us in this condition. 
We want the word of God to lead us to a savior. We don't want the devil and his lying deceit and indoctrination and philosophy to lead us to a savior. That's what's going on. You know what that savior is going to be? The antichrist. He's going to be a liar. But we're still listening to the world and to the liar. 324. Is that what I was talking about? 324. Paul writing to the church in Galatia. Therefore, the law was a tutor, a pedagogus, a pedagogus. It was the slave whose duty it was to take the children to school, to make sure they got to school. The law was a tutor. It was a pedagogus to what? Bring us to Christ that we might be just as if we never sinned by faith. It just gives us the knowledge. Uh-oh, that was wrong. Now what do I do? But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. We don't need anybody. Once we believe in Jesus by faith, the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to open the will of God and to teach us and to train us in righteousness. We don't need anybody to show us the law anymore. It's been written on your heart once the Holy Spirit comes in. Once you say, I believe. So nothing that you do in the flesh is going to justify you. Only in the Spirit. Only with Jesus. Back in our text, verse 21. But now, now we're going to switch gears. Watch this. All have sinned. All are unrighteous. All are unprofitable. The law was just to point you to that, to make sure you knew that, and make sure that all creation knew that they were born with a sin nature. But, don't you like that? This is where God's going to step in to eternity. God's going to step into our time, or excuse me, out of eternity, into our time, and become a man and take flesh. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. It's made manifest. In fact, later in 10.4, he says that uh, Christ is the end of, the, end of righteousness according to the law. He's the end of it. He's not the end of the law. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Here is what he's pointing to. The law and the prophets, they always pointed to Jesus. The Old Testament saints, what did they do? They looked forward that God was going to provide a Savior. God was going to provide uh, 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 his provision for the sin nature. Then he made the sacrificial law. He made, he made, in Leviticus, when you read about the sacrificial law, he made those as a covering. They're called a kofar. They covered sin so God didn't have to see them until the time that Jesus, the righteous one, would come and take away the sins of the world. And now when God looks at me and you, anybody that believes in the blood of Jesus and he sees us, he doesn't see you. Your life is hidden in Christ, Colossians tells us. And when Christ appears, your life will appear with him. What God sees is his perfect, righteous son. He sees your perfection. And that's why you don't want to continue believing the lie and deceit of the devil. When you fall short and you blow it, God says he forgives you if you confess it. 1 John 1, 9. But what do we do? We walk around in shame and guilt still. But that's been taken. Christ already Amen. suffered once for all, the just for the unjust. And we're going to get to that at the end of this in verse 26. But let me back off. 
Listen, they witnesses. What are you witnessing to? Listen, 22, even the righteousness of God. Listen, do you believe that Jesus was Lord and God raised him from the dead? Then you receive the righteousness of God. Wow, that's our position. We have God's righteousness now, positionally. We're his children. We're his offspring. How do you get that, Greg? Through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Now, there's some other words there. Yours might say to all and on all who believe. Listen, just to all who believe. You can scratch out the rest of that. That's the simple gospel. That's the simplicity. If you believe in that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's in Romans 10. Great verse to put to memory. What happens when you believe in Jesus? It's the word pistio, pistis. It's to trust your spiritual well-being into Christ. And as soon as you believe that in your heart, you're righteous positionally with God. You receive the righteousness of God. And then as you confess it, you're being delivered unto salvation, being delivered back into his kingdom, being delivered back into heaven until we cross the finish line. You're in the race as you confess, as you agree with it. That's what the word confess means, is to agree. You know, like if you go into courtroom and they go, Mr. Tyre, here's the charges that's being levied against you, and you say, guilty, that means you agree, you confess them. That's what God's saying. Do you agree that you are unprofitable? Do you agree that you're a sinner? Do you agree that my son paid for your sins and he's righteous and now you can have it when you agree? It's a courtroom. And we can go on saying, no, I'm okay. I'm going to stay in my own works. I'm going to do my own religion. I don't like your plan, God. Or we can believe his plan, which is the only salvation that's coming. No other salvation is coming. This is the righteousness of God apart from the law. See, you can have righteousness with the law if you keep it perfectly, but it's impossible. It's impossible to keep. We don't have anything in us that can do it. But through faith in Jesus Christ, notice your faith has to be placed somewhere. I don't want to see signs. You shouldn't see signs in Christians' homes that say, just have faith. It's short. You stop. You need to go in what? In Jesus Christ. We shouldn't stop short of the glory of God or come short of it. Christians should be ambassadors that tell people what to have faith in, what to believe in. We shouldn't have a bunch of signs because we don't want to offend somebody. Our signs should say clearly, have faith in Jesus. 
Believe in Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I know. I just stepped on a lot of people's toes. I was aiming at your heart, though. Don't be afraid to offend. God stepped into our time to offend. He wants you to know that you are the offender. That you're the one accused of the crime. You're the one that's unrighteous. You're the one that's unprofitable. But there's freedom in Christ. You can be set free and receive the righteousness of God if you'll just confess that you are the one. That's all it is. It's a courtroom. He loves us so much. And it says, For there is no difference, there's no distinction. No variation. See, there's nobody to wiggle. Yeah, but we're of the tribe of Judah. Yeah, but we're of the tribe of Benjamin. Yeah, but we are. Yeah, but I was born in America. No distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, the glory of God is the finish line. Salvation is in three parts. When you believe, positionally, you receive the righteousness of God. But practically, you and I have to keep coming and walk this out. That's the middle of the race. And then the glory of God is when we're there as trophies of grace in his house. And he full, we fully see that we've been sanctified, body, soul, and spirit. Return to God. All have sinned. That's that archer return. Remember? That means to come short, to fall short. You pull back the bow. You're trying to hit the law. You're trying to hit the glorious mark. And every time you shoot the arrow, it falls short. But Jesus, he came and hit it every single time. All have sinned. Listen, don't miss this. We are not sinners because we sin. You know, like if you was a swimming and on the Olympic team, and they'd go, he's a swimmer? Why? Because he's swimming. You are not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. Listen to me. A fish swims because it's a fish. That's what it was made to do. We sin because of the original lying deceit. So now we're all born with this sin nature. You can't get away from it. Unless you're born again. And you receive the righteousness that's from God. And then when you receive the new heart and the new nature and you're reborn, you're righteous. You get a new start. You get a new heart. You get a do-over. But you still got to fight that old nature that's still here. But it doesn't have any power anymore. It doesn't have any penalty anymore. What it has is just a guy that's lying to you and your old memory banks that says, well, that was fun. I'm going to do that again because I used to always do that. You go, wait a minute. Let's take that thought captive because now I'm righteous. Now I got a new start. I got a do over. I don't have to live that way anymore. I've been set free. That was sin and death. That was a lie. That was. 
I'm no longer that person. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to practice righteousness because he is righteous. I've been born again. I don't have to keep missing the mark because he already hit it for me perfectly. He hit the mark for me. I don't have to fall short. I don't have to come short. I don't have to live in a way where I'm suffering need because I have all the inheritance. That's one of the things that all of us suffer need for righteousness. But God's given me his perfect righteousness. I don't suffer any need for that anymore. When I stand before somebody, I stand because of who God is, not because of who I am. I'm still the unprofitable man in my own strength. But in God's strength, I'm overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. All. How many is all? Listen, everybody's in that place. Every bit of us. There's nobody ever born except for Jesus that's not in that place. And you know, sometimes I find myself getting a little irritated at people that don't believe in Jesus. And I have no right to. I'm just an ambassador. I'm just a suffering servant that's supposed to be a witness to them because I used to be just like them. And we have no right to be mad at them. God's not mad at them. God is going to judge them. Make no mistake. But he died for them. He loved the whole world. He just happens to know which ones are going to choose to believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and receive that righteousness. And he's still not mad at them. He has righteous anger against them. But he's not mad at him. He held his hands out to him. 24, being justified, just as if we never sinned, freely. Justified means rendered just or innocent. It means being righteous. Justified, just as if we never sinned. Again, we are justified just as if we never sinned. And then we're being sanctified so we can begin living. We're set apart to do the work of God. And then the final leg is glorified when we cross the finish line with him. How are we justified? How are we saved? How are we given his righteousness? How are we declared innocent freely by his grace? Freely by his grace. Now listen, because this is where it gets a little bit good. It was freely by his grace, but it was through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Through the redemption, through the deliverance is what that means. It's the act of ransoming in full. That's what he did. He redeemed us in full. It's in Christ Jesus. There's redemption in full in Christ Jesus, whom... Look at 25. God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. What's that word mean? Propitiation. It's a means of appeasing. Propitiation. But listen to this. Listen to this. This is really good. The Hebrew equivalent of this. 
refers to the mercy seat where the blood was poured out. It's the payment, the propitiation. That's what Jesus is set forth as, as the propitiation. But not the Old Testament, not under the law, not the shadow of things to come, but Jesus went to the mercy seat in heaven and poured out his perfect blood. And that gives us life. That's how he redeemed us with his blood. That's how he was set forth to pour out his blood through faith and to demonstrate his righteousness. How did it de- how was it demonstrated? He got back up in the resurrection. It was freely received and shown that he was the righteousness of God and he gave us his righteousness and he took our sin. propitiation an atoning victim an atoning victim he appeased by being the atoning victim and all of God's righteous indignation was taken out upon his son all of our penalty for sin was fully satisfied by this propitiation of his blood on the mercy seat in heaven And it, that free gift demonstrated his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. And I like that word forbearance. It's the word tolerance. Listen, the world wants us to have tolerance for sin. And God is judging sin. Listen, God in his tolerance... He forbeared with sin, but now he has given his son, his only son, his righteous son, his blood, so that these sins could be forgiven, and yet we ignore it, we reject it, we won't receive it, and we want people to be tolerant of sin. That's death culture. That's an open sepulcher that we are dead, and we want people to accept it when God paid for it and we reject it how can we escape such judgment in the future it's forbearance his tolerance God passed over remember the Passover festival that was reminding them that they've been set free he passed over their sins he put a covering upon them with the kofar under the law of those sins previously committed And why was he doing that? To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He proves that he's the just one, the righteous one, the only right one. And then he's the justifier of those who are unprofitable. He's the one that give his blood. He's the one that, again makes us innocent, righteous. He renders us innocent, righteous. But he can't be just. He can't be a just God if he doesn't punish sin. Listen to me. And the only way to escape from being punished for your sin is to receive 
the righteousness from Christ because he's already suffered for all sin. Are you hearing this? He's the just, the righteous God, who already punished sin in his son. And the only way to escape that punishment yourself is to receive the grace of God by faith and his righteousness. If not, this just God still has to punish you, even though it's already been taken for you freely. And now you have that gift given to you freely. I wish we could go on, but maybe someday we'll teach Romans. Listen to me. Do you understand that you're unprofitable? Do you understand that you have no righteous standing whatsoever apart from the blood of Jesus, the propitiation through faith? All have sinned. We are none no better. I don't care if you've got millions of dollars or you're flat broke. The problem is your sin nature, not your bank account. With God, all of us are flat broke. We're all standing in the same place. And we need to believe in Jesus. That's the only help, the only hope, the only redemption, the only payment that ransoms us back. But see, people are coming to salvation and saying, I believe. And then they follow the philosophy of this world. They follow the empty deceit, the tradition, and the basic principles of this world instead of Christ, who is the head of all principality and powers. And we are complete in him. Listen, they're being spoiled once again. And I'll close with this. I've been wanting to get to this. Listen. Paul says in Colossians, or excuse me, in Corinthians, um, and you can turn there, it's 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, we'll close with this. Oh, that you would bear with me with a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me, Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you to a chaste, as a chaste virgin to Christ. Listen, Paul had planted the church in Corinth and they had began accusing him. They had began talking bad against Paul. And listen, here's what I wanted to get you to. Verse 3, but I fear lest somehow... Has the serpent, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, his subtlety, his false wisdom, and his trickery, he spoiled them, so your minds may be corrupted from the singleness, the simplicity, the generosity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you might well put up with it. Listen, that is a big problem in the church today. We're preaching CRT. We're preaching everything but the simplicity and the generosity that's in the blood of Jesus. Listen, there's neither slave nor Greek. There's neither black nor white. There's nothing but spirits in the kingdom of God. And every nation will be there. 
and every tongue will be there. And one day, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the praise of his glory. Listen, do not be deceived by the craftiness of the devil who has this earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom and is coming down and saying, if you don't get the vaccine, you don't love your neighbors. If you don't confess your whiteness, you don't love your neighbors. If you don't understand that America is an unrighteous nation. Listen, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are unprofitable. None understand. None seek after God. All sin and fall short of the glory of God. And the only answer is the blood of Jesus that freely justifies us. And you need to believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth and begin to run this race. Don't be spoiled again. Don't be deceived again with the craftiness of the devil to follow another gospel. When it's all outlined, it is written right here. It is written right here. Get in the word of God. Don't just listen to the echo of my voice rehearsing the scriptures to equip you, but have a personal love relationship and get into the word yourself and learn to listen to the true voice of God led by the spirit of God. Allow him to use you for his glory. Amen. Amen. Next week, next week, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, we were already unprofitable. We didn't know it. We didn't understand. But God came and demonstrated that love of his and died for us. Romans 5, 8. Write it down. Memorize it. See what God would say to you about it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Help us to run this race to win and not be bewitched again by the devil. Lord, we pray that we would not be cheated or robbed or chosen by the devil, but we know that you chose us to bear fruit, some 60, some 30, some 100. So we pray, Lord, that we would bear fruit and it would remain for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.